All right, hello. Welcome to Backyard Catch. This is your host, Nick Roby. Uh, we have a special uh, episode uh, tonight. I have my good friend, Mr. Hank Sichter, on the line with us. How are you doing, Hank? Doing good, Nick. Good, good. Thanks for being on. Yep, of course. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited. Excited to um, to get to have this time with you. So, Hank, why don't you give the uh, the people just some some background, maybe just maybe some of our connection and just why you love sports. Like why is that such a big part of your life and some teams that you follow and just how it's kind of integrated into just everything that you do. So yeah, take it away. Giving the people what they want, you know, give them what they um, want, you know, strong, (laughs) strong. But yeah, so I met, well, I guess I met you, Nick, when I was in high school. Um, So you were my young life leader. Um, and so I've grown up here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I've grown up a big, uh, Hornets and Panthers fan. Um, those are my two big teams, um, that I follow here professionally. And then my, my family, um, both sides are from Ohio, um, up near Columbus and my mom went to Ohio state. So college wise, I'm a big, um, Ohio state fan. Um, and so have grown up kind of with, Ohio State and then the Panthers and the Hornets, um, just following mainly them. A um, couple other teams that I like, but those are definitely the biggest ones. And then I've, I've just, I've liked sports my whole life just because I've been a competitor and I'm a very competitive person. And so sports I would is something I just really got into, whether I was watching or playing. Um, and so... I was never um, kind of big enough to compete in football or basketball, which were my uh, two favorite sports in high school. Um, and so I think that for me, um, kind of watching and following um, the professionals and um, in college, uh, following it is I get really into it because I wasn't able to compete um, in high school and stuff. So um, it's a big part of my life because of that, I think. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, Hank and I definitely bonded over some love of sports. We got over the um, the Michigan Ohio State rivalry though, because at first, you know, because my mom went to Michigan, and yeah, Ooh. so I know. So we're we're still friends through it. I we think. are, we are, which really goes to show how good of friends that we are. Is that since we're able to overcome that, you know? I mean, I'm glad you can even say Michigan, you know, because I, I know the Ohio State fans aren't even allowed to like say or write the letter M. Oh so yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that we can move. Yeah, it's that just that well. team up north. That team, the team up north. I know. Um, and so I'm a Clemson fan first, but uh, yeah. Michigan, Michigan's like a, a, just another team I kind of follow as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom went there, so but yeah, Hank and I, it's it's pretty cool to see um, him doing his thing now, and and we get to to continue to to share the love of sports together. And follow all the teams. What would you say out of those out of those three with Ohio State, the Panthers, and the Hornets? Who would you be the most excited for if they won the title or won the championship? Um, I would probably say I would be most excited if the Panthers won it, just because okay. um, being an Ohio State fan, like I've seen them on that stage before, and so I would say I'm probably the biggest. Like the the out of those three teams, Ohio State's probably the one that I'm the biggest fan of. But I think seeing the Panthers kind of on that stage, um, and 
kind of reaching that level of success, I would be the most excited about just because I haven't seen them win a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, no one has. Um, and I, I just think that would be kind of the coolest to see. I don't typically expect too much out of the Hornets. And so. <laughs> no, the Hornets are the Hornets are just like the the little like side um, sports team. You kind of love to cheer for, but they're in this. We're yeah. gonna talk about we're gonna talk about them later. What do you what do you do with the Hornets? But yeah, yep. And I thought, so I think I expect a little more out of the Panthers. And so seeing them um, win a Super Bowl is would is definitely something I would like to see. Hopefully this year, Cam said so. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it'd be cool. They were so close a couple of years ago. I really thought that that was gonna be the year. Oh yeah, fiftieth. I mean, I that that still is like it was crazy to, that they just kind of fell apart in the first bit and then they just couldn't come back against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And we would have one if it wasn't for the Patriots cheating, you know? So, right, right. I'm yeah. not salty or anything, but no, 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 no. Well, I mean, considering that Tom Brady also has a bubble around him at all times. Yeah. That helps. <laughs> that helps. I don't know. Side note, we're not going to get into all this, but it's still crazy that he is still playing this well and like won what six titles now, or is he at five? Uh, he's, at, he's, at, he's at five. He's at five. I don't know. I, you lose count, but it's just like you he's, really do. 40, he's 41 and he's like still winning titles. And I think it's still crazy. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, well, cool. Thanks, Hank. I mean, um, and so it's just been Update. fun. He has won six Super Bowls. I he's just... won six. We said we have live research now being done yep. too. <laughs> six, so. Um, sorry yeah. to the no Patriots fans we have listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's it's fun. It'd be really cool to see the Panthers win. And just because also, like, even just in pretty much our lifetimes, they're a team that's been started. So to see them finally make it over to the top would be really cool. Mm-hmm. And just how hard it is to actually get to, to get to the Super Bowl, I feel like. Absolutely. In, in the NFL, I think it's one of the harder sports for you to actually – to have all your players there, then be healthy and make it to that stage just to play for it. And then to go over to the top as well but, as to just maintain that level of success. Right. Right. And then again, try to do it again. Um, mm-hmm. It's just really tough. So, Oh, well, good to know. Um, so really wanted to bring Hank on cause he is big into the NBA as well. And there's a lot of stuff, especially with college. And then, um, with the pro too. And really just, I feel like with the NBA season ending and then now we're in this, like, uh, you know, the NBA MVP pageant isn't officially over. Um, and now we're, we are into this movement of players. That's going to kind of start, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as it hits July 1st, it's going to be this like crazy of just signing people. And it's crazy. It's already time for this again, but I feel like the NBA off season is almost as big as now even the regular season or the playoffs just to like know where players are going and just oh, absolutely. a huge talking point. Um, and so wanted to kind of stop there. So Hank, uh, well, first off, were there any like takeaways that you had from the regular season or things that are just, that kind of stood out or just were memorable as um, the season's now officially over? Um, I would say the most intriguing thing for me over the season was probably just the city of Los Angeles as a whole. Um, I think with LeBron moving to the Lakers, everyone 
thought that they were going to be a contending team, you know? I mean, they had LeBron and then all these young pieces, um, but they really just fell apart um, just because of, I mean, I chalk it up to just poor leadership um, between, uh, I mean, you have Luke Walton, who isn't the best coach, and then um, Magic Johnson also just kind of not... Not making his younger pieces feel loved and just putting too—I feel like too much of a focal point on LeBron when it's almost like uns. I don't think you really have to say that you're building around LeBron. You know, um, like he's he's the best player in the NBA and has been for ten years. Um, so it kind of it kind of goes without saying that you're gonna try to do your best to work around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, and, so, he to the table. Yeah. and so just coming out publicly and saying that basically everyone outside of LeBron is on the table, I mean, that doesn't bode well for having a successful team if players are like, why am I expending all this effort if I might just be traded in a matter of days or weeks, you know? Right, um, right. And, and, the, and you've already got this weird dynamic of player. It's kind of like this set on set of players don't always love playing with LeBron. Just because mm-hmm. of the spotlight thing, like when the team does well, he gets more of the credit, and when the team doesn't do well, the other pieces get more of the blame. And he had this Absolutely. young core, and he had this young core in LA who was kind of b- being built up, and then they bring in LeBron. So you know, they kind of get that spotlight kind of taken away from them mm-hmm. in that sense. So yeah, it was a weird. It, it was, was a, a very weird, weird dynamic, and just yeah. did not work out for them, especially considering kind of the expectations that were set at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you kind of look at the reverse with the Clippers and they had a ton of success for not having a whole lot of pieces on their team. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you could argue that it was Doc Rivers best year yet as a coach. Um, even, I mean, you look at the Celtics teams that he had a ton of success with and they had tons of pieces. Um, and I mean, you think of the. Um, the big three they had out there in Ray Allen and Garnett and Paul Pierce. Um, and, you know, I mean, is a, I mean, coaching any team to a championship is impressive, but um, w- he had a lot of pieces out there. Whereas here with the Clippers, um, the fact that they made the playoffs with not a whole lot, I mean, trading Tobias Harris throughout middle of the season and having him, be one of your best players through that point is like, wow. I mean, I mean, really just exceeding expectations. And they didn't drop off either. It wasn't really did like once they found, they found their groove again, they, they made the playoffs and still, and, and put up a fight against the warriors too. It wasn't even, yeah, it wasn't even Um, like they just like laid, laid an egg once they made the playoffs, especially like with kind of going into what a lot of people thought was going to be a rebuilding season for them or, kind of just, you know, not a whole lot of pressure was going to be on them because they were going to try and pursue one of the big free agents this offseason. Like, I don't think anyone was expecting a whole lot. And so for them to get where they did um, was very impressive to me, Um, especially considering how much the Lakers failed. And so that whole dynamic in L.A. um, was surprising and amusing to me all at the same time this past season. It was no, that was good. I think also what comes to mind with that was, do you remember at the beginning the whole mural thing in L.A.? Where oh like, yeah, <laughs> the, they're like the king is coming to L.A., the king of L.A., and then 
you know, this guy makes this, it was a pretty cool mural. I thought it was like a cool way to welcome oh, him. It was like great. Fun. Yeah. It was great. And then people like, um, messed with it, defiled it. And then they're like, okay. And then they did that again. And then they made another one and then they messed it up again. Yep. And it was just like, it was one of those moments where you're like, this is why we can't have nice things. It like, was can't absolutely one of those moments. <laughs> You're like, why can't we just leave that it's a mural? It's like, it's okay. <laughs> this whole, like, Kobe thing, and it's just like, I don't know. Laker fans are really interesting to me with that. The ones that, like, uh, like loving Kobe, but then I feel like they've had, I guess what I'm saying is they're, they've had an interesting, it's been interesting to watch from afar them having love of past people like Kobe and Shaq. And I've heard a lot of other people say this, but then you have LeBron who like is this, his own thing outside of a team, mm-hmm. you know, and then coming in and trying to figure out that, that whole dynamic, I feel like took a few months for him to actually feel like he was on the team, you know? And then now, yeah. I mean, now he feels like he's on the Lakers, but it just, it, it felt like it was a weird in my mind to get used to that, just that whole thing of LeBron being in purple and gold. Yeah, it is definitely interesting to get used to, um, especially like with my family being from Ohio and kind of being like when I was first starting to get into the NBA, I liked the Cavs a lot. And that was when LeBron was originally on them. Right. Then he like um, and then he kind of did the whole thing. He went to the heat and um, I just remember hating him and. Then, like, he came back to the Cavs, and it just wasn't the same. I was like, I still hate this guy. Like, I, mm. even though I like the Cavs, I don't feel like I can cheer for them with, like, him and on the team. Like, it, it is weird how LeBron just almost seems like his own entity, like, separate from uh, whatever team he is on. Yeah. No, I get that. And, yeah, I might think I, he's a great player, but for me, I, that dynamic of, like, like I said earlier, of him – getting a lot of credit, but then it's always other people's fault. Like when mm-hmm. things go wrong, like that kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. Yeah. But you can't deny, I mean, he's a great player and he's done a lot for that city. Oh, too. absolutely. You know, and he bring a title, like he brings a lot to the table. I think just sometimes the way he goes about things, I don't personally always like, but you know, at the same time in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know what? But he also, his background, he didn't come up from a whole lot. And the, the way he is now, basically just his, his biggest knock, is just him doing that whole decision thing on mm-hmm. TV, you know? Like, that's his yeah. big thing, and that's not even really a thing. Um, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the big knock against him. And so, anyway, it's just that that whole dynamic's been really interesting. So I think that's a good one. I think mm-hmm. the whole, um, now that we're in more of a completion mode of this trade, it's mm-hmm. so, I feel like it's become more and more intriguing. But the whole Kawhi for DeMar DeRozan, Yes. Deal like Kawhi was hurt all of last like year before this past season, mm-hmm. and it's been this. It was this weird back and forth. Like the doctor, he went to a couple doctors, and then the his team is like, no, he can play. He's just like sitting out because he's yeah. and wants a bigger contract. And Kawhi doesn't say anything, and his uncle's the one talking. Yep. It's like you know, it's better. I think in general, it's better to kind of let you know, like you don't want to say too much, but I think he should have said something. Mm-hmm. You know, just put something out there that was from him. Yeah, because no one knew what was going on. Really. Right. And <laughs> it was just like, they're, and when no one knows, they're just going to fill in the blanks. And eventually that became the, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it was just it, a lot of wild speculation from a lot of which, different people. Eventually there becomes a narrative. And 
fair or not. So I think this past year, it was cool to see him become more the player that we all thought he could be and was Mm -hmm. and and fulfill that. And then in Toronto, which was so interesting because the whole DeMar and Kyle Lowry, like brotherhood, and then, you know, how much they love DeMar and then shipping him off for this one year. How good is Kawhi? Can he even play? Yeah. You know, a full season and or is he going to be back to himself and then you don't even know if he's going to stay there because people don't usually go to toronto unless they get drafted there yeah um, it's not as much of a free agent place mm-hmm. and then let alone that and then they i feel like they did a really good job resting him like they played him and then like rested him strategically yep and they go through and win the nba title so you would say it's all worth it but yeah last summer this whole mood was very bold and people were very you know Mm-hmm. questioning it so i don't know i was just been impressed with our gm of how he was able to been able to push all the right buttons and then even switching head coaches too yeah like which was not which was interesting because i mean it wasn't like they were a bad team they weren't getting to the championship but they were putting together very consistent right high, high win percentage seasons it was uh, it felt like it was it was the good to great thing you know that's what it kind of felt like uh, it definitely was yeah like they they were a really good team, but they had just a cap on how high they could fly, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, I mean, and, and yes, granted, LeBron moving to the West, uh, them moving that barrier, I think helped mm-hmm. for sure. But I think this team would have been different, like Absolutely. a Kawhi, a Kawhi-led team playing the Cavs with LeBron and what they had. I think I still see Toronto having come on top of that, you know. Yeah, and it might have been more of a struggle for them, but anyway, so I mean, that... Kawhi is one of the few players that could guard LeBron mm-hmm. and not shut him down. I don't think there's a player that could, but I mean, basically, could come the closest to that, mm-hmm. um, and so mm. there you go. I like that. Um, any other takeaways that are on your mind right now that you were thinking about? Um. Not a ton. Not a ton. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was like a, a lead up to the playoffs. Uh, yeah. A lot of stuff just kind of played out how I think people kind of thought with yeah. maybe a few teams either slightly exceeding or not exceeding um, expectations, you know. Um, but I would say kind of the the Lakers and the Clippers were probably the two teams that um, mm-hmm. underwhelmed and um overwhelmed probably the most so and it's just kind of funny that they were in the same city yeah mm. yeah I, I think that whole dynamic is really interesting and now the clippers are trying to move to um where the old forum is right like where the mm-hmm. original lakers were they're trying to move out there which is interesting yeah I, the whole thing of them them sharing a court that whole idea i don't love that yeah. me personally that's just like a personal thing like i don't i didn't love I think the Jets and Giants still do in the NFL. Like that just feels weird to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have home court advantage? And it's like, te- like uh, cities like New York and LA. It's like you already get two teams. Do you have to like, you know what I mean? At least you could have your own arena. Yeah, like the Mets and the Yankees, you know. Yeah, it's like at least they have their own different place because it's a different part of the city. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know. And I guess, and, and, and granted, in New York, it's hard to find space for an NFL stadium. Yeah, I, and I get that. I was about to say, I mean, it's definitely cost-effective. So when you're looking at it from an owner's standpoint. It, it makes sense. It's just me personally. It's just like, okay, if you're going to have two teams, at least you can mm. have your own stadium. But yeah. <laughs> that's a side That's a side hot take moment. <laughs> um, let's see. What other, what other uh, takes do you want to listen to if you love sports that you – all the things that they've been talking about. Um, is the Warriors dynasty done? Uh, where does KD end up? Um, does Kawhi resign? Um, will is LeBron the greatest player ever? Yeah. I feel like there's, <laughs> I'm just, there's just all those type of themes that come out. Like I feel like I could, I don't know about you, but you know what I mean. Like there's there's those type of stories. I feel like people when talking about sports that they're gonna want to like start talking about. So we don't have to get into all that stuff, but yeah. Um, but what, what, but really though, what did you think of the, um, what did you think of the finals? Were you like surprised the Raptors won or were you like, Um, I wasn't surprised given the circumstances. I would have been surprised had they beaten a fully healthy Warriors team. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would have been surprised, but I mean, you just look at the Warriors. I mean, I feel I'd feel bad for them if they hadn't won multiple championships leading right. up to this point. Right. Um, and so it was kind of like a breath of fresh air with the Raptors winning, but it was a little disappointing because you almost feel like there's an asterisk next to um, the Raptors win because yeah. they didn't beat this, like... They didn't beat the juggernaut warriors. You know, yeah. like, like the dynasty warriors, they beat like a... A team that had those players, but it wasn't all together. Exactly. Like and yeah. I mean, to to be fair, I mean, the Warriors were a championship level team before KD went there in Boogie Cousins. And and yeah. so and so they were still playing a championship caliber team, but it it was definitely not the same Warriors without KD for most of the mm-hmm. time. And then I mean, Clay there at the end. Um, I mean, you could have made the argument that um, the Warriors would have won that that final game um, that we saw. Yeah, I, had, I th- had Clay not gone down earlier in it. Yeah, I thought that they they would have gone at least to Game Seven um, mm-hmm. just with that comeback win in Game Five, and yeah. then you know the Warriors at home. You don't think that they're going to lose all three games at home mm-hmm. of a final series, but I mean that's what they ended up doing. But it just became too much for staff to try to like do that and they also just didn't have a bench either that could compete because they had to spend all this other money and that's the downside of having kind of these super teams you know i mean you have an injury or something or you rely too heavily on one player and it doesn't pan out and then it's like well who do you go to after that um and like you said they they had steph but um i mean there's only so much one player can do um especially at the point guard position um i feel like because i mean you're playing against a, a very good defensive team too in the raptors um yeah and so it didn't work out in their favor but i i feel like given the circumstances it wasn't too surprising so yeah no i i agree and um i i personally think that if the Warriors hadn't signed KD, like if they had allocated the money they used for KD for like some other like pieces, that they could arguably be a better team 
not yeah. that KD isn't good, but just because of how much money you have to pay KD, like a, like a KD. Yeah, I mean, um, you could have like four or maybe even five like solid role players or kind of just adding some depth um, mm-hmm. just they, around yeah. that team. And I feel like that was kind of how they reached that level of success. You know, it was like you had mm. uh, Steph and you had Clay and Draymond Green and, but then you had players kind of backing them up, like you had Jarrett Jack, you had Iggy, you had um, just, I mean, a lot of good talent that surrounded them and just coming off the bench. You could give guys um, adamant, some adamant amounts of rest. And um, I, I mean, you definitely depended on your stars, but it was like other guys could step up too um, mm-hmm. on any given night. And yeah, and you just don't have that kind of dynamic anymore no no so it'll be interesting with what the warriors end up doing next year just because it it feels like it's a not a rebuilding but it's more of just how do they reload or how they go about this again you know yeah especially with clay's acl and then the achilles with durant i mean those are both major injuries that will play into a good part of next season Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think the, I personally think that the the clay injury is actually bigger for the Warriors. Oh, absolutely. Then, and and preface this, I don't want to see either of these guys hurt, but I think just when you look at it from like a analysis standpoint, KD was most likely already leaving anyway. So you're gonna mm-hmm. leave up that cap space. You know what I mean? Like you were gonna obviously you'd want to try to resign him, yeah. but all signs were kind of pointing to him. Most likely moving to like New York. Yep. Maybe maybe LA like the LA Clippers, but he was gonna become a free agent. And so for the Warriors, I think you'd you'd want to build off of Clay and Steph. But now that Clay's hurt, I think you still go after Clay and pay him. But it just you're gonna lose a lot of chunk of the year without him. So it's like yeah. how do you rebuild the pieces around that? You know, so they're just gonna have to do mm-hmm. a lot of internal stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. It will uh, be. Uh, it's going to be a very different Warriors team from what we saw this past year. Yeah, yeah. And I think, but I think too, also, it, it's another chance for us to see like how good Steph actually is. Because I think we've gone through this like weird, not weird, but this like interesting ebb and flow with him. You're like, yeah, where it was like when they kind of first reached that kind of point of success, everyone was like, Steph is the man. Like he is the best mm-hmm. point guard in the NBA. Like, I mean, as almost like unanimous. I mean, he won multiple MVPs. Right. And now it's like, is he even the best player on his team? And I think, I mean, just defensively, teams are more keyed in on him. Um, you just don't see, like, if he has a big night, it's just not talked about as much now. I mean, and he's not like, I mean, it just seems like he, he we're not hearing about these just insane shooting performances that we used to hear about it's more Mm -hmm. it's almost turned into more of like a legacy thing like clay is shooting this percentage over his career or he's made this many threes throughout his career rather than kind of going off a night to night basis um which you hear about with a lot of mvp candidates and stuff yeah no you really do and um yeah. So anyway, that's that's kind of uh, 
just some highlights from the past season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of just uh, MVP and awards, what did you um, what did you think about with the awards? Like all that stuff. Like, did you think that it was the right guy for MVP? So MVP, Giannis won the MVP over James yes. Harden and Paul George. Do you think he was the right guy? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean, you look at how he has changed the Bucks. I mean, it is just astronomical. I mean, because the Thunder, I mean, they were already pretty good. Um, I mean, they had Russell Westbrook, you know, who, I mean, averaged a triple-double. I mean, you have you had the Rockets, who, and James Harden's been, like, playing at a high level for them. Mm-hmm. Kind of, um, I mean, right since he signed there. But it's not, if I just think of, like, who is the most like important to that team? Like who is the most valuable player to their respective team? I think it's Giannis. I mean, you look at, I mean, he's a team player too. I mean, the whole team is just able to be kind of integrated and utilized kind of through him rather than just uh, James Harden, who is going to account for about 40% of your scoring on a given night or something. And, um, I mean, he he can do it all. I mean, he's a good defender. He rebounds at a high level. He mm-hmm. can score. Um, he he can. I mean, he brings the ball up. He can pass it. I mean, you just look. He can do so many different things. Um, and he's such a prototypical player that it's like I thought it was just kind of no question. He he should be the one to win it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I agree. I think he was the right. The right guy, especially after this year, I think mm-hmm. you saw a, a step up for him. Like last year, you saw a step up in James Harden, um, but this year you really see that he stepped up the team. And Milwaukee, like, really did kind of cement themselves in the regular season as the best team in the East. And even Absolutely. overall, you could argue that they were the best team. Like, you, there was a good argument there, and that's a huge part because of Giannis. Because yeah, and. Because it's also not like Milwaukee has one of these kind of super teams where they're going out and signing a bunch of guys just kind of on a year-to-year basis, just trying to have several superstars. It's really like Giannis and company up there. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas like the Rockets is like, they signed James Harden, but then it's like when they did, it's like, all right, we're like, but we also have Chris Paul. Like we're also going to try and bring in like another superstar. They're still like, now they're looking Mm -hmm. at, uh, trying to get Jimmy Butler in, and and you look at it, it's like the Bucks are really not in conversation for any big free agents, and haven't really been for a number no. of years. I mean, I... they've really done a good job of. I mean, they've signed some guys, but it's it hasn't been like huge names, and they've done a lot through the draft. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean, I think you have to have one a lot of respect for how the Bucks have built that um, franchise up from, I mean, I remember when they were a joke. I mean, they it was like, um, they were just kind of stuck in that kind of 8 to 15 range um, in the NBA. And and so they, they just weren't doing much. And it's like they drafted Giannis, and I remember there was a lot of talk because it was a big deal when he came over to play because a lot of people were kind of looking at him as a draft and stash type player. Um, mm-hmm. Like he would play overseas for a couple more years. 
um, because he was so young and he came over right away and people were a a little surprised by it. And I mean, you just look at his growth over the time that he's been in the NBA and it has just been, I mean, it has been insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so just showing that level of like kind of commitment to him um, has been impressive from the Bucks, and then to see him kind of definitely showing that payoff for kind of those decisions and waiting, um, like drafting him, knowing that they would wait a couple years before he would reach his mm-hmm. full potential. And I don't think anyone thought he would be this good when he was drafted. But um, I mean, yeah. if they did, he would have gone a lot higher than he than he did. But yeah, I mean, and, and it's and, and with the draft, I think it's. Uh... I mean, these are like their best estimated guesses, like what these players are going to be. I think we can forget how actually difficult it can be to to project. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And, and these guys get paid lots of money to do that. And don't get me wrong. And th- there's more analytics now and, and there's body types you can look for. And, you know, there's certain skills that you look for, but mm-hmm. you still miss. Like it's 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 oh, still yeah. like you're taking your Especially best shot with, with what's in front of you. With foreign players or yeah, kind of more raw talent, it's mm-hmm. like – they have they have the tools to be great, but it's like will will they pan out like we want them to? Um, I think is the big big thing for teams now. It's like how how do you weigh kind of a project or a guy who has a high ceiling but also a very low floor, um, and how do you project that? Especially with foreign players, when you don't see them competing against the same level of talent that mm-hmm. players coming out of college have just competed against. Right. Like, like in another example of this is Luca, mm-hmm. you know, Luca, um, Doncic, he won the rookie of the year and he was definitely, I would say the best rookie. Oh, but when, absolutely. But when, but when he was being drafted, it, you know, it wasn't like a clear, like this is the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is like really established himself. I was really impressed with him and he's just fun to watch. He like, really he, is. He has this just this fun, like just joyful way of playing. Um, I think the Mavericks have the a really good kind yeah. of future laid out for them. Um, Their core is very, like, it's very intriguing because you got him and you got Porzingis, and yep, um, they have another foreign guy too. I think they were the joke was like they're the international team. Yeah, of, of which is the, funny because that that seems that has seemed to be like the Raptors almost for. So many the Raptors years. or the Spurs or the Spurs, you yeah. Are you the Spurs? Yeah, absolutely. The Spurs. But that's the crazy thing. Again, another team in the West who's like very intriguing. You even have like the Kings um, mm-hmm. as well. It, the whole, yeah. It, there's so many teams in the West. It's pretty crazy. Yep. Yeah, Luca. Luca won Rookie of the Year. Lou Williams won Sixth Man of the Year. Yep. Rudy Gobert won Defensive MB, uh, MVP, and then Pascal Siakam of the, of the Raptors won Most Improved. Mm-hmm. So. That's kind of like the big of the NBA awards. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you're also forgetting that Mike Conley, he did win both Teammate of the Year and the Sportsmanship Award. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of credit goes out to him as well on those awards. So Yeah. Well, there you go. I don't – those, those, those ones are always interesting of, like, what <laughs> they do. But I have – I in, in all seriousness, he, I have heard he's, like, a really great guy to play with. And yeah. I mean, he's um, from Ohio State, you know. I mean, what what no more bias, do you need to know? No bias at all there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but he's got traded to Utah, right? Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. In the draft. That's what, 
in the draft. Yeah, there's so much happened with the draft. I was like, I can't even fully pay attention to this. It was confusing <laughs> because because they're like, okay, they're being traded. Like the fourth pick's being traded to um was being traded. From, it was like traded to LA. Or is LA's pick that's being traded to New Orleans, but New Orleans is already trading it to the Hawks, but it's not technical yet because it's not until the end of the month of when the NBA yeah, and it's like how much I feel like trades should be able to go through before the draft. That way, I mean it, it feels it's like just weird that players are drafted by teams knowing that they're gonna be going somewhere else, you know? Yeah, it's weird. Um it's weird that it, it just doesn't feel like it it, sh- it flows as 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 much as it should. Mm-hmm. Or it's just it, it's just a little confusing as a fan. Like honestly, like I have to mentally think, okay, like okay, Hunter from UVA is being drafted by the Lakers, but that was mm-hmm. the pick of the New Orleans. But he's really going to play in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, but he's yep. still going to wear LA stuff like yep. on that night. And I think just as a fan, honestly, it's just a little confusing. It is. But, try to keep up with but i mean i think it, we can follow but it's just like i feel like we can, be we able can to follow fix but i would also say i mean for for like me it's i mean it's fairly easy because I, I like have this stuff in my head but i would say for like a much more casual fan i mean they'd be like what is going on here you know and mm-hmm. it's it's a very confusing system and i think one that um needs to be taken kind of they need to take a look at because i really don't think it would anyone would really fight having the um just kind of the not not deadline but um to have kind of the mark when teams can trade moved up a little bit you know um i mean and you're talking about by maybe like a week or so Mm -hmm. Um, and i i also like the nfl system where free agency is before the draft um because then teams kind of have a better idea of like, all right, here's um, like where we need help basically. And, and you've seen so many cases where um, a team will draft a player and they look really good, but then like they have a, a player as a bigger name at a different position um, leave. And mm-hmm. then they're like, Oh, well now we have, this big hole left here. Like, uh, for example, when um, Paul Millsap left Atlanta, Mm -hmm. I I can't remember who they drafted that year off the top of my head, but I remember they drafted a player at a different position, and then there was just this gaping hole at power forward. And they're like, we we need a big man. And they weren't able to draft one when they were um, plenty capable um players at that position available when they were picking and so i think it um i definitely like the system where you you have free agency and stuff and then you kind of look more at the draft yeah yeah i think it's something for them to look into just because it also helps to kind of know where the holes are because now people have drafted all these players and then you know with the free agent frenzy that's probably about to happen you know like a little carousel and It'll just be interesting to see how, you know, the teams have to kind of figure out, okay, what do I do? And I guess if you know the system, you kind of draft kind of knowing who you're going after. But at least the other way, 
when you get free agents first, you kind of, like you said, you know the holes you're going for. You can at least try to fill them in the draft. This way, it's a little harder because you draft, you more or less draft the best player. It's more of what this becomes is you just draft the best player available, and then you try to go after the best free agent available, and then you just kind of make it work, Mm -hmm. you know? Which is good if it works, but then you might not get the best flow of a team, or even personality-wise, too. I think that's a low... People don't think about that as much, but the personalities, it makes a difference when you have, because NBA teams are not that big. What is, what is it, like 13, 12, 12, 12 guys? And yeah. I mean, that you might see in a rotation. Like you see in a rotation. Like they have to work really well together. Yeah. Know? So, but speaking of the draft, uh, mm-hmm. I think we can just, uh, part of what we also want to do is just kind of throw out some thoughts in this too. Um and so, you know, and if you've been paying attention to the NBA at all, you know that the first pick was going to be Zion. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's kind of obvious. Like the more the I mean, watch. really the first two with Zion and then Ja Morant. Um, yeah. It, it was... That was R- pretty much given. Yeah, like those those two and RJ at three. Like you kind of mm-hmm. felt like those three were going to be the top yeah. ones taken. You know, maybe you take RJ and Ja might have switched, but... Um, or like Darius Garland, I know there were some rumors about him going number three instead. Or, um, but definitely at number one and two, and then a highly assumed third pick. It was was kind of what people kind of figured going into the draft that was going to be mm-hmm. the outcome of those picks. And so after that, it got a little more interesting, um, especially right. with all the trading that went on with that fourth pick. Right, right, right. So, so out of out of those, well, let's just start here. Out of those three, Mm -hmm. who do you feel like? Which team do you feel like won out the best, or like which player are you the most excited about in that new city? I mean, I think, um, I think it's easy to just kind of say Zion and be like, I mean, I think. He was clearly the best player in this draft, um, and right. possibly the best player we've seen coming out of college in in a hot minute, really. Mm-hmm. And and um, especially kind of stepping into that role that AD uh, just left behind, going to LA. Um, and so I think so much of a focal point is going to be placed on him so early on because of the shoes he has to fill and just. Um, all the expectations surrounding him. Right. But honestly, I am probably more excited to be watching John Morant in um, Memphis. Yeah. Um, I feel kind of similar about that. Um, Especially with Conley out now. I -hmm. think there were some questions like if, if they do, if they are unable to trade Conley, I mean, it, it would seem absurd that they would, either run both of them at the same time or bench Conley, who's been their main guy for so many years mm-hmm. um, in favor of kind of this younger um, like product. But now that Conley's out of the equation, you have Morant in and going to be running the offense. And I, I think it's going to be, it's a good fit for him because that's exactly what he did in college. I mean, he was, the focal point of that team. And mm-hmm. um, he's very much used to kind of 
carrying the load and being the focal point of the offense. And so um, it'll, it'll be fun to see him. Plus, I always just love the guys from the smaller colleges, too. It, it's always fun. I remember when Steph came out of Davidson or um, mm-hmm. Jeff Lillard out of uh, Weber State, um, you know, C.J. McCollum. Um, yeah, I mean, just these guys from smaller schools, it, it, it's something that just makes you want to root for them, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I think it's good. And, and too, I think he and the city, I think – fit really well together i think mm-hmm. memphis memphis is a smaller like a smaller market team but mm-hmm. isn't there like their motto like memphis is it grit is something like that or it's just very they're just very like it feels like more of a blue collar like yeah like a smaller like kind of like how toronto is with their players but memphis is on a, like a smaller scale i think than mm-hmm. toronto but how much i feel like they could really support him and like he gets to develop but not in this like huge spotlight yeah, exactly. Where, where Zion in New Orleans, New Orleans is like they're not as big of a basketball city, but they're a big city, like sports city, like with the mm-hmm. Saints. And now that he's going there, there's gonna be a huge spotlight on him there, you know? Yeah. But Ja, I feel like he could develop and really just have a fun time just enjoying playing basketball for a team. And then they get to surround him where he gets to distribute the ball. I think they could they could become a fun team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. I mean probably, not, probably not next year, but like say that they get another high draft pick next year yeah i mean yeah. i mean you're they're gonna be stocking up over the next few seasons most likely um i mean bar barring something incredible like john morant is like automatically an mvp candidate or something like that you know i mean they're they're gonna be drafting probably um i mean probably top eight the next mm-hmm. two or three seasons would be my guess mm-hmm. um, maybe not three but uh, the next couple of seasons will probably be rebuilding for them. So, no, uh-huh. I think I think it's good. And so now we get into with the draft. You know, after three, you know, mm-hmm. we have DeAndre Hunter at four, uh, who's really going to play in Atlanta. And Atlanta is another interesting team. I think that you know you've got Trey Young and you've got Cam Reddish and you've got uh, Hunter. You know, mm-hmm. and they already had a couple pieces. Like they'll be interesting. You know, like I think that they're going to be another one of those teams that's going to feel like more like a team. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic of, you know, with Hunter and Reddish. Like if all these guys can mesh and become a team, or is, mm-hmm. um, or is you know what I mean? Like I think this is it's more of like if the personalities can fit, they could work really well together. Or absolutely. They could be a lot of young guys trying to jostling for position and where it just becomes like an awkward, like, okay, like we need to get rid of one of these guys because they're not going to really mm-hmm. flow into it. Um, like what else stood out to you about the draft? Was there anything else that kind of caught your eye? I mean, we were, we're going to talk about yeah. the, the Hornets, but was there anything else that? that well, you I would like- say the team that I thought did the best in the draft. Um, I, I thought that I was blown away by how well the Cavs drafted. And I I know that's easy to say with having three picks in the first round, but I mean, I mean, you look at, um, I I mean, the Pelicans also had three picks in the first round and I I liked what the Cavs did a lot more. Uh, So just kind of going down, um, with a fifth pick, they drafted Darius Garland, who, I mean, is possibly the best pure scorer, um, at guard in this draft class. Um, and so, I mean, 
I know we kind of got much a, a much smaller sample size from him um, since he got injured so early on in the season at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I mean, the flashes he showed. I mean, he he's going to be a very good um, player in the NBA and just a, a very elite scorer. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but then they also drafted probably my favorite player in the draft at twenty six. Um, they drafted Dylan Windler out of Belmont, mm-hmm. and I I love Dylan Windler. Like I thought this guy was the real deal. And I think he kind of solidified that come um, the NCAA tournament. But mm-hmm. he he just reminds me so much of Clay Thompson um, when he was coming out of college. I mean, he's similar build. He's a shooting guard, but he's a 6'7". Um, right. I mean, he shoots the ball. I mean, he shot, um, I believe it was, it was like um, 42 or 43% from three-point land. Um, this past season, which was higher than what Clay shot um, at Washington State. Um, and then he rebounds at a high level for his position. He averaged over 10 rebounds a game. Um, and and, if, and he at, his averages were higher than Clay's, but he also wasn't playing in the Pac-10 um, mm-hmm. like Clay did. And so, but he was just, um, he's a very fun player to watch and can just kind of, a very natural scorer and um, a great shooter and just kind of has that size for his position where he's going to be hard to guard. Um, And so getting him at 26, um, I thought was really good. I think he has a pretty high ceiling um, for that point in the draft, which I also felt that way about um, their last first round pick. They um, traded back up into the, end of the first round um, at 30 and got Kevin Porter Jr. out of um, USC. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's another guy. He has a he has a very high ceiling for that point in the draft um, and just kind of a good two-way um, kind of guard-forward combo. Um, they, have, they have a lot of flexibility between him and Windler, whether they want to play him at shooting guard mm-hmm. or small forward. Um, they can kind of have some fun with some lineups and stuff. But I think those three players, they really just kind of, you could tell they just focused on um, really stacking their backcourt with this draft. And I thought they did a great job with that. And I think it's going to be a really fun kind of young group of scorers to watch this upcoming season and uh, for the next couple of seasons, if they can live up to the potential. Right. And then, cause you also have Cam Sexton. Who's yeah. Like- just finished his first year. So it feels like a lot of, there's a lot of young talent in the NBA, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just feels like a lot of teams are like, okay, that'll be interesting. Or like, it'll be cool to see um, like those guys fit together. Yep. Um, you also got another one. Shout out to uh, Grant Williams, you know, is from mm-hmm. Charlotte and he got drafted 22, which is pretty cool. Like, yeah. it's just cool to see guys that you've seen play live and they're like, oh yeah, like, Absolutely. Especially because Grant Williams, I mean, he was he was playing um, high school ball here in Charlotte when I was in high school. And so it was was like, I mean, you're in high school and you're hearing about this great player at like another high school a few miles down the road. And then it's like they go and they start at Tennessee and then they get drafted by the Celtics. I mean, one of the most historic 
teams out of any of the major sports. And it's just crazy to see. And similar with uh, Steph, really. I mean, he he played high school basketball about four miles from where I live. And so, I mean, just kind of these local um, players getting drafted high. It's always fun to see. Yeah, yeah. No, it is it is cool, and, and you do wish these guys uh, good luck with all this too. You know, wanting these guys to do well. Um, okay, so another segment we wanted to do was just to talk about the Hornets, since we're both Hornet fans, especially yep. you, Hank. And what did you think of the Hornets draft? Like, let's just start there. What did you think? I, I guess first you start off with at twelve with them getting PJ Washington. What do you think of um, that pick there? Um, I'm I'm fine with that pick. Um, what I would love to see them do is kind of package that pick with one of their big contract guys to try and get rid of a big contract. That's That was kind of the only way I saw um, them unloading a guy like Nick Batum or Marvin Williams or someone like that um, yeah. to create some cap space. But even with the 12th pick, um, that would kind of a lot to ask because there weren't a ton of big names left on the board at that point. But yeah. um, keeping the pick, I, I love P.J. Washington. Um, he's Charlotte's kind of always been missing like a big guy, and we've we're kind of notorious for drafting just either forwards who are just purely to kind of stretch the floor, or right. like I mean, you, you think Frank Kaminsky. Or, yeah. um, I mean, and then, or just like a pure defensive guy. I mean, going back to like Bismack Biombo, um, mm-hmm. and, and so they've never really had kind of a two way, like power forward or center, like that I can remember. And, and so I think they're kind of caught on to, they need a player like that in their lineup. And I think PJ Washington, um, if he can stay healthy and, um, kind of, live up to his potential, I think he could be that player for the Hornets. Um, and also he's, he's just a, um, kind of, I've heard he, he's a good attitude kind of guy and a hard worker. Um, and so I always appreciate players like that, um, coming to the teams I, I pull for. Um, and I, I yeah. thought he was the best player on the board at that pick. And so, um, yeah. I, I didn't feel like, I feel like there's not a lot of risk with it too. Um, which, um, the, the Hornets can sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, like what did, what did they do? Um, specifically looking at, uh, Frank Kaminsky and like Bismack Biombo and, mm-hmm. um, and Cody Zeller. I mean, I mean, just several picks that like, just kind of left the whole city, like with a little pain in their stomach kind of. And so it's good to just kind of have like a low risk player. Um, he can build up into something productive and be a starter um, kind of for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of know what you're getting with him. And so I, yeah. I like the pick. Good. Yeah, I think I think you're right. That That's the tricky part with them being at like 12 mm-hmm. is that you can't really usually the the top top players like the more the the slam dunks mm-hmm. uh, pun intended um, <laughs> <laughs> the more of those guys like they're gonna go 
and then the you're kind of stuck in this like okay like there's some good guys but there's also a reason they're at 12 or 13 yeah. you know like, like just, they might have like a lot of talent but they also carry a lot of red flags with them yeah or they or they, or they like have say out of like five skills you would want they have like three of them or two mm-hmm. really strong ones they just don't have like four yeah and i think that's the hard part with charlotte is that they just haven't had after kimba anyone else to pair him with that's mm-hmm. like okay this is for sure the number two guy like we know these are our guys we're gonna build around this it's kind of been this like at least from my perspective just this circle of like okay that we're trying to feel out how do we like continue to make ourselves better you mm-hmm. know because basically yeah, they're in and- and you have like a season without Jefferson or a season with Nick Batum that like is like, okay, man, like we kind of have a number two guy now, but mm-hmm. then it, it doesn't really extend much further than kind of that one season. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think, and now, I mean, you're not necessarily drafting PJ to play alongside Kemba necessarily. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a guy it's- with, little red flags and um yeah like not it, like for me it doesn't seem anything like bad it's just more of um you know what do you like what he's bringing to the table you know mm-hmm. and yeah. then what, what you're trying to build around and, and go for um so all right hank I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this out there if you say you are now the gm for the hornets yep um kimba his contract you know is coming up it's it's kind of big news around town Yep. Um, you know, he's not this like hidden secret anymore on the NBA. Mm-hmm. People kind of know who he is. Um, and he's kind of like this marquee guy of a free agent. Okay. He could be this, this other big piece, this other team's looking for to, to really make a championship run next year. So yeah. if you're going to try to keep him, you really have to pay top dollars for him, which could be good to keep him, but then you could, it just takes up a lot of cap space. You yep. know, like, do you want to be paying him 38, $40 million a year, or do you let him go trying to, to, to build around him? So if you were mm-hmm. the GM, what do you do with Kimba Walker? So, um, the problem with Charlotte is that, um, their former GM, Rick Cho, uh, I mean, he was, he was just awful. I mean, he, he was a terrible GM. I mean, and so we have, um, I mean, we already have tons of money wrapped up in not very good players for this season and then even um, some next season mm-hmm. as well. And so there's only so much you can do. And um, and, and I, I kind of, the talk around town is like, and I read this, I can't remember if it was from the Charlotte Observer or ESPN, but... Um, one of the focal points of Michael Jordan's being um, the owner is to not have Charlotte move into that luxury tax um, mm-hmm. and to keep his salary under that. But I think with a player like Kemba, I would absolutely sacrifice going into the um, into the luxury tax for a season or two um, to keep him on our team because the thing is Charlotte's not going to be a market that's going to attract players of that caliber. And so you're, you're basically like, this is the 
one opportunity we're going to get to sign a player of this level. And so by n- by letting him go, it you're basically just kind of saying goodbye to your chances of signing a first-team all-star because Charlotte's just not a market that attracts that talent. Yeah. Um, and would I love for it to be? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. But, um, I mean, just looking at it is not. And so the only way we would attract someone like that is if we were already a team that was putting together like solid seasons and could potentially be a contender and we could, someone would be like, Oh, I want to play alongside Kemba mm-hmm. and try and win a championship there. Um, and so I think we're just, we're not going to do that without Kemba. And so w- it, it would be a, a huge disappointment. And it's looking like, I mean, to no fault of Kemba's it, that he, he is going to be leaving um, but I, I would definitely pay up for him. And he even said that he would take, um, like not necessarily, uh, sign, uh, the full super max contract that Charlotte right. would offer. Um, he, he said he would take less than that. Um, which I think is really admirable that you're willing to work with staying on one of the worst teams in the NBA. Yeah, um, or the worst, one of the worst situations is it, definitely one of the worst situations. I mean, I feel like we've just been stuck in this NBA purgatory for so many years. It's like if we make the playoffs, we're going to make it as an eight seed and then just get obliterated in the first round. Right. Or but we're also not so bad that we're going to be drafting top five for a few years and kind of restocking. And yeah. so and it's like when we have been drafting top five it's been in just terrible draft classes and so it's like you you pick michael kidd gilchrist at two when you miss out on anthony davis and then you draft cody zeller at four and and, i mean just not good situations kind of all around that the hornets have been in for just years now Mm -hmm. And, and so it's almost like well if we want a shot in the immediate future the obvious move is to re-sign Kemba. But if like you're looking to rebuild, don't re-sign him and just we'll be real bad for a few years, which honestly, I mean, here in Charlotte, we're kind of used to, but um, but we might get the chance to draft some pieces that would help us a lot down the line. So yeah, yeah, I think it's it's one of those. It's one of those you either have to go for it or you have mm. to just let it go, you know. But this yep. middle ground, it, it gets a little. I feel like it gets a little tiring from a fan's perspective too, you know. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I want to like really go after this team and believe in it, but it's hard when, you know, they're kind of in this middle ground of, you know, not getting picks or, or or not, and it's this weird. And the way the NBA works, it's like it it kind of rewards teams for kind of throwing you know, either them going after it or, mm-hmm. or them kind of throwing in the towel for the year and try to get a high draft pick, you know? It definitely does. You know, and like that's what the Knicks did. And yes, they didn't win the number one overall pick, but they got their third pick and they got R.J. Barrett, who's going to be a good player, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yes, Zion's the best player, but R.J.'s like not a, not a scrub. He can play. 
Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to know. I I think, yeah, I guess with the contracts the way they are, I guess I would kind of lean towards letting him go. But it's hard because he's been the face of Charlotte for so long. um, Oh, yeah. That, you know, like you're like, okay, he's definitely our guy. And it's hard to let that go. So absolutely. And, and maybe, and, maybe, and really wherever he goes, I feel like Charlotte fans are going to be forever Kemba fans because mm-hmm. he's, he hasn't done anything to like say like, Oh, like I want out of this bad situation. Like he's always been just like a good guy and a good face for Charlotte. You know, he's never wrapped up in any controversies or anything. He's never mm-hmm. like making fans upset. I mean, I ran well, into him once at, I, I used to work at a movie theater and, um, and he, I mean, just kind of interacting with him kind of briefly. I mean, he's a super nice guy and, and you just don't always get that with kind of like people of kind of that, level of fame or mm-hmm. uh, and so it would be sad to see him go but um it's hard to know what would be the best move for charlotte in the long run either letting him go and kind of tanking or re-signing him but also potentially staying in that middle ground for a few years yeah yeah so it'll be really interesting to see what he um what what they'll end up doing. I think they'll end up offering him a big contract. And it's really, my guess is they're going to kind of leave the ball into his court. It's mm-hmm. kind of what it seems, you know, they're going to offer it. To yeah. Him really also pun decision. intended. Yes. Also pun intended. We are very much uh, about puns on backyard catch. <laughs> um, so I, I think they'll be good. what did you think of their other, their other couple picks? I mean, they had a couple more in the second round. Did you, yeah, I, I liked uh, I liked Cody Martin. I was very much on kind of the early season Nevada uh, bandwagon this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were a very fun team to watch, even though they didn't quite live up to expectations. But right. um, I really liked the Martin twins there. And yeah, uh, what's that? No, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, I mean they were fun to watch. It's interesting that uh, only one of the twins gets drafted, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously they're not the same player, but yeah, they are. They're very similar. And yeah, so I mean, and you about... think about it like with, uh, I mean, the Morris twins coming out of Kansas a few years back. I mean, they were drafted relatively kind of in similar positions. And then you, you think of the Lopez twins coming out of Stanford, um, even a little further back, were also drafted pretty in pretty similar spots. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, to have one drafted and then the other one not, um, it's interesting. So granted that was with, uh, Blake Griffin and I I think it was Taylor Griffin at Oklahoma. They both played together. Um, and then obviously Blake being the standout, um, out of the two, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I liked that pick. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Jalen McDaniels was, um, we drafted him uh, down at 52. I'll be honest, I, I don't know a whole lot about him. I know he played no. at San Diego State, but I, I didn't, wasn't following San Diego State a whole lot this season, so can't speak too much um, to that pick. But yeah, definitely a big fan of 
um, Martin. Yeah, and and I think too, like I think Martin, I think is gonna be a good solitary. He's just one of the, like I think he'll be a good. Cons- it seems like they went more of like good consistent pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, like you kind of know a little bit more what you're getting. Like the 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 ceiling not, not, not might not be as high if you hit, but like I think it's more of a the like you're saying before the lower bar is you just kind of know what you're getting. Yeah, and also too in the in the second half of the second round, you're really just kind of throwing out picks to see if you can get like a Draymond Green or somebody, mm-hmm. you know, or Isaiah Thomas, who's like a late round. Okay, we're just going to see what we get. And it's okay if they yep. don't pan out, but we're going to, you're more going on, um, like if there's one trait they have or if they're really athletic, you kind of go after that. Or mm-hmm. like or how just guy- like these high ceiling, um, like foreign guys or something. Like you, how- you see that a lot. Like Kyle got going to the Knicks at 55. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a really good pick for them and to pair him up with R.J. Barrett. Mm-hmm. Well, but um, the Knicks are trading that pick to the Kings, though. Oh, they are? See, I can't even keep focusing. So further further uh, confirmation on why um, trades need to be able to go through before the draft. Yeah, I don't even know. Now I'm just showing you. So I don't know all this NBA stuff, but I, I still enjoy it. But anyway, if he goes to the Kings, then mm-hmm. – I mean, I think that's even a great pick, too, because the Kings are really fun to watch, too. So yeah. I, I just mean that that kind of a pick, I think, like, he's a winner, and you he, he could tell his leadership um, mm-hmm. when they won the national championship. So I think that plays a big role in it, too. So it's it's really interesting to see how these guys will pan out, and then Summer League will be fun to watch, um, mm-hmm. see how these guys kind of battle back and forth. But there you go. So yep. another draft coming gone. Um yeah. So, any any other thoughts? Um, not a ton. Um, okay. just kind of yeah. going back to the draft real quick. A- another team I, I liked. Um, I-, I liked the Hawks trade. Oh um, yes, yes. We rewrote that down and talk about the Hawks. Um, I-, I liked that trade up to four. I felt like, um, they they were able to move up and get DeAndre Hunter, who seemed like he was their guy. Um that they wanted and um they had both the eighth and the tenth pick and they were able to keep one of those Mm -hmm. um i assumed kind of trading up um into that top five they were gonna have to package both of those picks but they were able to just kind of trade the eighth pick keep the tenth pick and get cam reddish who's another good player um they ended up trading the 17th which at that point there's not a ton of value at least in comparison to drafting hunter at four right um i mean that's giving up almost nothing um in comparison and then uh early second round pick um i thought they really got the better end of that trade um and um was impressed with how they pulled it off from the pelicans point of view though i would have loved to see them kind of stay at four and draft either DeAndre Hunter or get uh, Jarrett Culver or someone. Um, I, I thought that would have been a lot more help to kind of what they're building there. Um, but I'm not an NBA GM. I, I didn't. I don't know exactly what they they were looking for in the draft. Um, they got think, Jackson Hayes at eight, and so you know, I I, I think I think it's it's a win. And honestly, too, when you get Zion, you pretty much have. You, you've satisfied your fans. Oh yeah, you're definitely not 
a loser in this draft if you're the Pelicans. <laughs> and, and they got some good pieces in the AD trade, you know? Like they're, oh, they're gonna, so they're many. Gonna, they're going to have a fun court. Like, honestly, just to talk about it for a tiny bit, they got a lot of – they got more pieces back than I thought they would. Like, I think oh, they were – like, they incredible. got the, – I've been impressed, like, what – they held out and waited for the right deal and mm-hmm. for the Lakers to get a little more desperate to try to make a big move in LeBron's, like, you know, little window that he has with them. Yep, and they're gonna be a fun, they're gonna they're building something there. I think is really good, and they also got stuff from AD. You know, mm-hmm. they got value for him, and now he's happy. He's gonna be happier, but they got value back for him, which I think is gonna be a big thing. And you have guys with chips on their shoulders too. Oh, absolutely. You know? And, you know, and like, I think you look at them in comparison to kind of like we talked briefly about Memphis and Ja Morant. And kind of how they're they're gonna spend a couple more years rebuilding. Um, I mean, the Pelicans, they're not gonna they're probably not gonna be contending this year, but I mean they could put up a fight. I mean, they we could see them like as a potentially a four or five seed if everyone kind of plays to the level that um kind of they could. I mean, we could see them being a real competitive team in the NBA this season, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I, and again, you just think about, I just keep thinking of these teams, right? Okay, Memphis is in the West. New Orleans mm-hmm. is in the West. You have, you have the Kings who are rebuilding. Uh, I mean, yep. like, are going to be a, a power too. You have the Clippers who are rising. And you're like, man, like, the West is so strong. I, It'd be interesting. It's another topic for another day, but... Like, what, what does the NBA do? Do you keep the system the way it is, or do you start trying to tinker with trying to just putting the best team, like, you know what I mean, the best quality teams in the playoffs versus, Absolutely. like, you know, when you have, like, a, like, the West being so much stronger, or it's been historically? I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. the Raptors just won. And they're yeah. But, like, we're talking about, like, four teams in the East, five, maybe. Oh, I um, mean, and, and it have, was... Like, even worse before this past season. I mean, you had right. like the Cavs, especially with the Bulls and Knicks and Celtics not being as good recently as they have been historically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is a big thing because you looked at it. I mean, up until this year, the Bucks weren't contending for anything, or um, and I mean, so you had like the Cavs and then the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And it really just was a huge drop off after those two teams. Yeah. Um, like kind of before this season. And so it, it, it was even a bigger discrepancy. I would say the Bucks have kind of closed that gap a little um, bit. But, um, but yeah, it, it is something that would be interesting to see if they looked at. Yeah. So just. I feel like there's a lot of stuff like that would be really interesting for the NBA to really um, ponder. And they're also a league that really does consider that, I feel like. They really put things on the table to really – they're not going to just keep doing the things the same way because they've just been doing them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, yeah, so that there's there's kind of a recap of the draft and just some different moves that are probably going to happen. Just a little bit of just fun talking about Charlotte and just what do you do in that type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Hank, thanks so much for being on. This was really fun. Yeah, I'm thanks for having this. me. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm glad we got to finally do this. This is really fun. Yep. So, 
Um, thanks, y'all, for listening. Um, again, please subscribe, like, uh, share this with your friends. If you have friends who love uh, sports and love just hearing sports talk, whether it's on the radio or through podcasts or just love talking through different ideas, please share this with them. Um, you can find us at backyardcatch.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of the different uh, social medias of the Millennials uh, Day, pretty much whatever you'd want to find, we're there. Um, but but seriously, yeah, tell us what you like. Do you think Kimba should stay? Do you think he should go? Um, what do you do in those different situations? So anyway, just wanted to, uh, to put that out there. Definitely share and um, pass this along to people who might love it. So anyway... Hank, thanks so much for being on. and um, Thank you, Nick. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, thanks for listening. And for now, we're signing off.